Hey, my name is Billy. I'm one of the pastor elders here at Reality Ventura. And we are 18 months into a study of the book of Ephesians. We've been studying the kingdom of God, using the book of Ephesians as our backdrop, studying verse by verse. We are in Ephesians chapter 5, and this morning we're going to be looking at verses 8 through 14. And the title of the sermon this morning is Living as Light. Living as Light. And I'll be uh, reading and teaching primarily from the New American Standard Bible this morning. Um, we've been teaching and reading from the New Living Translation. Um, I, I think the NASB is a, a little clear with the wording the, for, just for today's verse. And so let's read together. Or I'll, I'll read and you read along with me. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. The Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. He says, For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them, for it's disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason, it says, awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. Church, this is the word of God. Let's pray now. Father, we thank you and humble ourselves and bring ourselves under your authority. We bring ourselves under the authority of your word, and we ask you, for your Holy Spirit to teach us. Jesus taught that he is the light of the world and anyone who would follow him would not walk in darkness. This morning, God, we want to follow Jesus, the living word, as we give ourselves to the study of scripture. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, in our study of Ephesians over the last 18 months, we have seen that our identity changes when we are adopted into God's family. And this changed identity also changes our desires and actions. We're not just given a new name, we're given new desires. We're given new goals. We're given new interests in life. We are kingdom kids, and there's a fundamental shift in what we think about and what we care about. And in our passage today, the Apostle Paul describes this shift and he uses this imagery of light and dark. He's creating a contrast between light and dark. Light and dark cannot coexist. There's no darkness in the light, it says throughout Scripture. Scripture also declares throughout that Jesus is light. And therefore, if we are in Jesus, we shine his light. Jesus shines in us, and he shines through us. We shine the light of Jesus through our lives, through our words, and through our actions. And as the light of Jesus shines, the Apostle Paul is really drilling down on this point in our text today. He says that as the light of Jesus shines in us and through us, this light exposes darkness and reveals sin. And as Paul describes our new identity in Jesus, this contrast of light and dark, it's a challenge for us. It's a challenge for us to live in the light and to live in our identity in Christ, to live in the light as the light. And he tells us, Paul, this morning, he's warning us, in a sense, to watch out for 
and expose people who are claiming this identity of being in the light, but whose life remains a picture of darkness. And this ties directly in with what Dom taught last week, right? We teach verse by verse through the Bible, and so Paul is, Paul is kind of wrapping and summing that up. And listen to how he does that here in Ephesians 5, verse 8. He says, you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate and the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. And so in a nutshell, what he's saying is don't be fooled by those who say that they're God's children, but don't act like it. Their life hasn't been changed by it. He's saying don't join with people. Don't partner with people. Don't identify as family with people who are self-identifying as Christians, but who have divisive words or secretive sinful lifestyles. For their lifestyles and their words are clearly identifying them as someone else belonging to a different family. And here's the amazing gospel promise that Paul is repeating over and over again. He's saying the gospel changes us. It means that the way we speak is different. It means the way, as we've talked in the last couple of weeks, Brian and Dom both, uh, as we've been teaching through this passage, we're, we're explaining how the Apostle Paul is saying your, your sexuality, the way you view sexuality is going to change. The way you use your words is going to change. And here he's saying the way you consider fellowship and look at the church and one another is inherently different as you walk in this new identity. Changed people walk and live differently than they once did. And here, Paul is using this imagery, again, of light and darkness to explain it. They're not similar, they're different, like light and dark. But what does he mean in our text today? He specifically says that we are light. Now, throughout Scripture, light is significant because light originates from God, and it always points humanity back to God. The first and the last things that God actually says, the quotation marks around God's words that he speaks in Scripture, the first place and the last place in all of Scripture are both talking about light. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, God said, let there be light. It's the first time God speaks in the entire Bible. He spoke those words and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated, okay? There's this creative thing that he spoke, and then there was this, this intention that followed his word. He, he, he demonstrates what he means by light and dark after having created them by separating them. Light and dark are, are separate. God communicated with Abraham and showed Abraham the future and the inheritance and what was to come. Got him to step out in faith. How? By using the light in the, of the stars, God called Israel out of Egypt, and he led them with light. God's promise to Israel through the prophet Isaiah was this. In, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. He's talking about Jesus. For those who sit in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Then, of course, right before Jesus is born, Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, prophesies this about Jesus. In Luke chapter 1, he says, because of God's tender mercy... The morning light, he's talking about the morning star, the reference to Jesus, Jesus coming as the morning star right before the sun rises. He's talking about Jesus ushering in the new kingdom of God. He says, the morning star from heaven is about to break upon us to give us light, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide us to the path of peace. 
And then, of course, in his life and throughout his ministry, Jesus self-identifies as the light, using the same vocabulary, fulfilling the same prophecies that Isaiah had declared. And Jesus does this more than 20 times. John chapter 8, verse 12, it says, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. And then he says, he who follows me will not walk in darkness, but they will have the light of life. The Apostle Paul himself experienced God's supernatural light when he was blinded by the glory of God, when he met Jesus while he's cruising along. It's just, you know, a normal day for him on his way to go murder some Christians, and God appears before him, and he's literally blinded by the light of Jesus, experiencing thousands of years of prophecy of Jesus being the light, and then he's completely changed. Saul becomes Paul, but it's a picture of what happens to us. See, Paul is sharing his very personal testimony as he's writing these things to us in Ephesians because Paul experienced this. He was given a new name, and he was given a new identity. And church, today we read the fruit of this new identity as this murderer and schemer was completely transformed, not just given a new name, but became the hand of God as he writes these letters to the New Testament churches, submit our lives and our time and our attention to even today. The Apostle Paul refers to the work of the gospel as a transfer from darkness into the light. Second Corinthians chapter 4, he says, it's God who said light shall shine from the darkness. He's the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And in our text today, the Apostle Paul, again, bearing witness to this in his own life, says in verse 8, For once you were filled with darkness, but now you have light from the Lord, so live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. And then finally, just because I mentioned it at the beginning, the last, in the last chapter of the last verse of the Bible, one of the last verses in Revelation 22, Jesus says, I am the bright and morning star. God begins and ends Scripture talking about Jesus, the light. From the beginning to end, the Bible makes it clear that Jesus is light. And John exhorts us to live as children of the light. Paul says that you have been given this light. That light has been put in you. You live in the light. And he says you walk as the light. You live as light. Now, how do we live this out? Paul says in our passage in verse 10, he says, carefully, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. The Greek word used for carefully here, it literally means to test Test what pleases the Lord, or to discern. We are to test and discern what pleases God. How do we do that? Well, we do it carefully. And I think in our text, Paul is revealing by his use of vocabulary two ways we can carefully test and carefully discern what pleases God. We can live, we are to live in the light, and we are to live as light. Those are the, the two things that Paul is, is indicating in our text. First of all, we live in the light. And there's two ways that we live in the light. We live in the light of God's Word, right, following the leading of Scripture. And we live in the light of the living Word, following the leading of Jesus and imitating Jesus. And we know that God gave us His Word to give us light, to guide us as we live in the darkness of the world. And God gave us Jesus, the living Word, to know and imitate and follow. John chapter 1, 
The very beginning of the book of John, it says, in the beginning, the Word already existed, using, referring to Jesus, but using this, this way of God communicating his love and his purposes to the world through Jesus. He said the Word already existed in the beginning. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through him. Nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. So we see this, this idea that Jesus, being the living word, is, is this communication that we live in with, from God. And the Bible also, it, we see in Scripture, is described as a lamp. In Psalm 119, it says, How sweet are your words, how, how sweet they taste to me. They're sweeter than honey. Your commandments give me understanding. So no wonder I hate every false way of life, for your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. You see, the Bible is like a lamp that guides us in a dark world. The writer of Hebrews talks about the word of God uh, as a surgical tool that helps remove and affect change that can't be done externally. It actually goes in and changes us. In Hebrews chapter 14, verse 12, it says the word of God is alive, it's powerful, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It's cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, and exposes the innermost thoughts and desires. That the word of God affects this, this surgical change in us. And Paul, as he's raising up young pastors all throughout Asia, he's writes these letters to Timothy, and in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he talks specifically about Scripture, and he says this, all Scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. And then in verse 17, he says, God uses it to prepare and equip his people for every good work. And so we live in the light in light of the Word of God, Scripture, and in light of the living Word of God. And as we do this, learn, leaning into Scripture and imitating Jesus, the Holy Spirit helps us to carefully discern what is pleasing to God. But the second way we can carefully discern what is pleasing to God is to be a people who are living as light, Spirit-empowered followers of Jesus, following the living word of God. Now, let's look at how Paul words this in this passage. In verse 8, Ephesians 5, verse 8, he says this, you were formerly darkness. Now, when you first read that, it seems like there's a couple words missing, right? Like, was Paul in a hurry here or something? You were formerly darkness. He's not saying you were in darkness. He's saying you were darkness. You, you equals darkness. That's what you were. And then he says, but now you are light in the Lord. Not you're in the light, you are light, he is saying. And then he says, so walk as children of light. Not in the light, children of light, children who have light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. This is some rich imagery here of the contrast between darkness and light. Darkness always represents evil and arrogance and, and uh, ignorance and error. And light always represents truth and righteousness. And the Apostle Paul doesn't say that you were once in darkness and you are now in light. 
Although that is also true, and the Bible also teaches that to be true. He is saying in our passage today that you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. We are darkness before knowing Jesus, he says, and we become light once we come to know Jesus and follow him. And so this reality that we are dark and then become light, it's very powerful language, and it's significant enough that Paul is rephrasing it for us in this way so that we can understand. Now, it's true that we all once lived in darkness. Those of living apart from Jesus are living in darkness. And it's also true that as we follow Jesus, we do live in the light. But it's not the whole story. Paul's saying that as we follow Jesus, we don't just live in the light, we are light. What he's saying is Jesus changes us. Not only does Jesus change our environment, right, what we live in, he changes our identity, who we are. Jesus promised us that this is exactly what would happen as we follow him. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. Jesus says, this is very controversial when he said it, by the way, in front of the religious leaders, he says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Christian, your life not only is lived in the light, your life in Jesus now is light. This is a radical transformation of people that that the Apostle Paul is talking about. Not just a drastic change in our environment. He's saying you are light. You're set apart. You're set apart like a city set apart on a hill. Wherever you go, Jesus is more obvious because you're there and he's in you and his light is shining out of you. Wherever you invest your time, wherever you invest your talent, Jesus' light shines into that. When I'm trying to love my neighbor, right, the other day I found myself outside trying my best to make myself as interested as I could in my neighbor's cat. She just wanted to tell me about her cat, right? And I want to love my neighbors. I, I, want, I, I want to have those experiences, interactions. The only opportunity I get with some of them to, to connect with them is listen to them talk about their cat for a few minutes, you know? And I'll be dying inside like, Lord, give me grace, you know? But I, I just want to bring the light of Jesus into that relationship a little bit. I, I want her to see the, the love of God. Because we are light, we now impact the climate. We, we impact the spiritual environment. We impact the spiritual culture around us. We're like a light that goes into a dark, dark room. It's going to change the room. The light radiates Jesus. Jesus radiates from our lives and shines into the world and into the people and into the relationships all around us. People will experience Jesus as we love them with the love of Jesus. It's crazy. Wherever you go, you are going to affect the spiritual climate because the love of God will radiate from you because Jesus, the light of the world, is in you. Now, you have to understand, there's, there's some people that get crazy with this. You are not Jesus, okay? I'm not saying that you're Jesus, but you are in Jesus, and Jesus is in you. 
And so his life, light, shines in you and through you. Now, sometimes you're going to do amazing things. God's going to give you insight, and he's going to give you the ability. He's going to give you this supernatural connection to say some amazing things and to do some amazing things. Or maybe you're more like me, and you're just going to kind of do and say ordinary things. But the love of Jesus, the light of the world, will shine out of you, whether what you're saying is like, oh, everything he says is so right on and so aha to me, or whether you're just emanating the love of God through the humility and the ordinary pace of your life. And Paul is saying that we are now totally different than we once were because we are now light. And light is totally set apart from darkness. It radiates into the darkness. It is easily identified whereas darkness is murky and hidden and unclear. The light provides opportunity for people who live in darkness to see. In fact, Paul says that the fruit of the light is goodness, righteousness, and truth. And so as we live in this dark world, our lives will shine like a light, identifying us and helping others. In our passage today in verse 9, verse 9 and verse 11, Paul kind of contrasts uh, the fruit of righteousness, or the fruit of light, I should say, and the fruit of darkness. In verse 9, he says, For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, on one hand. And then verse 11, it says, Don't participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness. Now, what he's getting at here is every life is going to bear fruit. If you're around someone long enough, you will start to see the fruit of their life. The fruit of the light Paul is saying, is all goodness, all righteousness, and all truth. Now, I don't care who you are, you cannot pull off all goodness, all righteousness, and all truth on your own. You, you can't do that. You simply won't be able to do that. You won't want to do that on your own. Only God can produce that fruit in your life. Only God can change you and empower you to be like him. And as we live in the light, and as we live as light, we will bear the fruit of light, Paul is saying. Your life is going to be marked by goodness and righteousness and truth. There's a direct correlation between where we live, how we live, and the fruit of our life. If we live in the life, light, as children of light, our lives will bear the fruit of light. If you were planting a tree and you wanted it to bear fruit, you would plant it where it gets plenty of sunlight, out in the open. If you planted a tree in a dark place, let's say that you're like, man, I don't want the kids next door stealing the apples off of this tree, so I'm going to plant it in my barn, right? I'm going to protect it. It's going to be safe, safe from the outside world. It's going to be safe from those meddling teenagers, right, as they say in Scooby-Doo. You plant it in a dark barn, what's going to happen? It's going to produce bad fruit, if any. It's not going to be fruitful. And the fruit that it produces is going to be like weird fruit. It's going to be strange fruit. But if you planted a tree in a light place, out in a field, where it gets plenty of light out in the open where there's fresh air, it will produce abundant good fruit. This is what Paul is saying. The fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. So don't participate in unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead expose them, for it's disgraceful to even think or even speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible 
is light. And this metaphor of light, it's painting a vivid picture of the way that we live as the family of God. The family of God, right, is the kingdom family, children who have been adopted by God. The way we live our lives, the pattern of our lives, the tone of our lives, the rhythm of our lives is openness and transparency and honesty as we live our lives together. We live together. We live out in the open like a tree planted in an open field, plenty of sunlight. There's no hidden places. There's no dark, dark places. There's no secretive corners. There's no like secret walled off walls. We live together, not closed off, not compartmentalized. And we enjoy the freedom that that gives, the freedom of not having hidden sins or dark corners that we keep others away from. We don't have to keep tabs on our lives because we now are children of light. And one of the fruits of the light is all truth. See, this new love for living openly in the light, it inevitably creates in us a posture toward the sin and secrecy and darkness that we witness and experience in others. We're we're naturally going to notice it in others as we live our lives out in the open. It's impossible for us to truly enjoy the freedom and the joy and the peace of living in the light while people around us are still slave-chained to the restless misery and secrecy of habitual sin and darkness. If you've ever known a Christian that is just totally frustrated in their faith, and they've got this glaring but very you know, secret happening in the dark situation going on in their life, this habitual pattern in their life. It's just hard to do life with them. You're like, man, I, I just, I, no wonder your faith is, is growing so anemic. You're, you're putting so much energy into hiding and concealing this one area of your life. And just like light cannot tolerate the presence of darkness, a person living out as light cannot coexist with people claiming to be in the light, but living as dark, living in secret, dark places, dark deeds, as Paul says. Light and dark cannot and do not coexist. One will change the other. That's what Dom alluded to last week in, in last week's sermon. Either the light will expose the dark places and bring goodness and freedom and truth to those living in secret dark places, Or the darkness will spread as the light grows dim among the growing cloud of dark places that have been allowed to flourish in secret. Remember, this letter that Paul is writing here to the Ephesian church was written to Christians. Paul is writing to the church, to Christians, and he's writing about Christians. Now, we're not to adopt this posture or this attitude of, uh, or an attitude of condemnation toward non Christians. Dom got into this. If you haven't listened to last week's sermon, he talked about this in in detail. It was amazing. We are called to be with sinning non-Christians. We are called to them to be relational with them. Jesus modeled this for us. Remember the story of Zacchaeus, right? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, which is what I learned when I was in, uh, uh, growing up in Sunday school. So wee that he climbed a tree. Jesus walking by, this, this notorious tax collector. Jesus walks up to him, and he initiates a relationship, invites himself over to the guy's house. He gets to his house, and he doesn't jump into a monologue about the evils of greed. He doesn't start lecturing him about the deceitfulness of being a first century tax collector. Jesus met Zacchaeus in a public place and openly initiated a relationship with him, inviting himself to his house, eating a meal with him, sitting down and dining with him. Zacchaeus was singled out by Jesus for the purpose of introducing him to the love of God. 
That's how we introduce an outsider to the love of God. But someone pretending to live on the inside, right, claiming to be light, that's, this is a different story. And Paul says to take no part in their lifestyle. Don't tolerate it. Separate yourself from their secret compartments. He says, expose them. Shine the light of, of, of love. Contrast, contrast the fruit of light with the fruit of darkness. Just live out in the open, and darkness is exposed. Well, how do you expose something that's in the dark? You shine a light on it. Now, at first glance, this may seem like a legalistic, sin-sniffing, one of those like witch hunt situations in the church where we're supposed to go around with a fine-tooth comb and 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 a magnifying glass. You better not confess any sins because if I find out that you've been in sin, right, the hammer's gonna come down and you're gonna get disciplined. That's not what Paul's talking about. Paul is talking about people who identify as Christians who are living a life apart from God that are marked by darkness. The fruit of their life is the fruit of darkness, not the fruit of light. And Paul is saying, expose them. Shine a light on it. Paul is revealing a a double value in exposing dark places in other Christians. And it's not sin-sniffing. Listen to what he says, Ephesians 5.13. He says, all things become visible when they're exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. So first of all, the first part of that verse, right, all things, become, all things become visible when they're exposed by the light. When darkness is exposed by the light, it becomes visible, right? It's always good to expose evil and shine a light on it so that we can identify it. Because there are people that participate in evil that don't understand that they're participating in evil. They, they, they think they were born that way. They, they, they think that, that they just have that tendency in them. They think that they're, well, this is the land of the free. I have the freedom for that. It's good that I exercise my freedom. See, evil doesn't always get exposed for what it is because it lurks in the darkness. And Paul is saying, shine a light on it. Everything becomes visible when a light is shine on it. Let people see what they're tangling with here. See, we tend to fear the dark Most kids have this fear. I I love taking teenagers, specifically high schoolers, backpacking because the big jock tough guys, right, that that think they're so tough that I let them carry my backpack and they willingly do it as a competition, right? I love that. (laughs) Tough guys by day become scared little children at night, right? It's the fear of the unknown. You, You have the campfire and those boys are so close to the fire and it's not because it's really all that cold, right? It's because every time they turn around, everything else is in the dark, right? It's like throwing another log on the fire so I can go to the tent, you know? I'm like, what are you talking about? It's right there, like, you know? And then when it comes to having to, like, use the restroom, it's like, you're not going to the bathroom in the light of the fires. That's not going to happen, you know? <laughs> and so I quickly learned that these guys need a flashlight. I'm like, what are you going to use? A, what are you going to look at with the flashlight when you go in the bathroom? Like, you don't need a flat, but they, they weren't going to go to the bathroom. See, I give them a flashlight, but the problem is my flashlight is like a three jillion lumen light, right? So they go out there, and of course, they pull it all the way in, so it's just, you know, and what do you see when you shine a light that bright in a forest that dark? Eventually, you're going to see a set of eyes somewhere, right? <laughs> How do we counter the fear of the dark? With a light, right? You give that kid light and he's like, man, he comes back feeling like he's, you know, Jebediah Smith just conquered the West. Just, you know, I just, I just went to the bathroom in the woods at night, you know? But the brighter the light, the more is revealed. 
Our fear really isn't the fear of darkness. I think we fear the dark because we know that the darkness allows danger to be close without us knowing it. Darkness allows proximity. And this metaphor, I think, this backpacking metaphor is helpful for us to understand as we read our passage today because Paul is saying that light exposes the darkness around it. And as we live as light, we will, just in our lifestyles, will expose darkness. Paul is saying that light exposes the darkness around us, that it doesn't ignore it, it doesn't tolerate darkness, it doesn't permit darkness, it doesn't permit hidden evil to lurk. See, sometimes this exposing of dark deeds, it might be done directly, but sometimes it's going to be done indirectly. We need to understand that. Sometimes we're not always going to be like just the the confrontation guy, just always confronting. We're not the sin police. Often our very obedience to God will be a testimony against hidden darkness. Refusing to be dishonest with our finances. Insisting on being honest in everything that we do. You can look at my books. You can look at my taxes. You can look at my business. You can talk to my lawyer. I'm honest. I'm forthright in everything I do. That is going to shine a bright light into into the lives of everybody that you did business with because that is rare in this world. Or maybe it's just truthfulness that costs you something. Truthfulness that's so costly that it's actually uncomfortable for people around you. It's like, really? You're not willing to just fudge that a little bit? You're not willing to say that to preserve this? We may simply expose dark deeds around us indirectly just by radiating love and goodness and the fruit of the light in our life. Sometimes simply our good behavior and positive attitude are more powerful than words. Philippians chapter 2, Paul says that we're to do all things without grumbling and disputing. Listen, you can't read the rest of that passage until you understand the power. Imagine, imagine a life where people didn't grumble or, or argue, right? Do everything without grumbling and disputing. That's going to set you apart. He says, why do we do that? Verse 15, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God. Right? Grumbling people that complain, that always see the dark side, right? Negative Nancys, the, the people that are always like confronting and disputing. Someone says something, always, there's always the other side. It's like, that, get rid of that. Prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent. Children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. Exposing the darkness is often a passive thing, right? as the light of Jesus shines from us and illuminates dark places, exposing dark deeds. However, sometimes we directly expose dark deeds in the church. Sometimes we need to, we need to do the hard thing and come to someone and, and just ask the question. Let them know what you see. Shine the light on what's happening. Now, that sounds harsh, but there's a real kindness in it when it's done in love because darkness and hidden sin has zero benefit for anyone. God's kingdom family is supposed to shine as a light. We produce good, vibrant, nourishing, appealing fruit as we enjoy Jesus together. And the hidden things that are done in secret, the deeds of darkness, as Paul says, they're unfruitful, they're unproductive, unappealing, and barren, and they yield no benefit to anyone. Nobody benefits by us not pointing out or calling out or exposing the habitual, life-destroying error that exists in the church. We're to take no part in them. We're to expose them. We're to bring them to light and reveal them. We're to do that so people can see them for what they really are. 
We help bring the unseen out of the darkness and into the light where it can be seen because dark deeds are unmasked and identified and then dealt with when they are brought into the light. Remember, there's a double value in exposing darkness. Verse 13, he says, all things become visible. That's the first benefit. The first value is you can see it. The second is the second half of the verse. He says, for everything that becomes visible is light. And the second value we see in exposing dark things to the light is that light actually transforms, it redeems, it changes the dark places. The first stage of shining a light on dark areas and others, it helps them see the true nature of darkness. It helps them see that they're harboring things that are, that are hurtful and damaging. And shining light on dark areas actually transforms the hidden areas, right? You shine a light into a dark cave, that dark cave is no longer dark, is it? right? You can see, look, kids, there are no bats. Let's go in now, right? It, it allows you to reveal the dangers that, that lurk in there. And exposing darkness in others can sound negative or judgmental or condemning. But see, this is hard work that needs to be done as children of light. It needs to be done in love. It needs to be done with grace. It needs to be done with truth, the balance of truth and grace. This is the hard work of being family, to rightly identify who's, who actually is family and who's not. And thinking about this, I'm just thinking about this, this idea, this metaphor. If your little sister started dating someone, and, and you got to know him after two minutes, and you're like, dude, this is an opportunistic loser. You're like, this guy is no good, right? And you guys all know who I'm talking about. We've all known them. We've all chased them out of our family. Hopefully, you've chased them out of your family. What do you do? Some of you guys are like, you kill them, right? No, you don't kill them. <laughs> you don't kill them. What do you do? You expose them for what they really are. You expose them for who they are. You expose the light of what your family is, and you, you create a contrast for them. And, you, and, and then you kick them out, Right? And you do this before he works his way into the family, right? Just like your, your dog, you wonder, how did my dog get so many worms? This is the most disgusting thing I've ever heard of in my life, right? It happens real secretively. It, 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 until it's a, a total infestation, you don't even know. That, that's how evil works its way into the family. You expose them before people start to become okay with that being around. Like, man, I have this sinking pit in my stomach every time that guy's around our family. Well, let's not be okay with that sinking pit in our stomach. Let's get that guy. Let's expose him for who he is because he works in secret. He works in darkness. He doesn't belong in the family. He brings pain. He brings awkwardness. He brings distrust, right? I can hear the voice of my dad saying, hey, Billy, what's up with it? Get this guy out of here, right? Like, get him out. He doesn't belong here. Why is he sitting at the table with our family when he's not a part of the family? He's killing fellowship. He's killing peace. He's bringing hardship. He's bringing bad reputation to the Father's name. He brings divisiveness. He brings distrust. He brings discord. He brings divorce to the family. That guy needs to be exposed so that he can either be changed by the love of the Father and be rightly adopted into the family and welcomed in as a participant in the family, or he needs the boot. That's what Paul is saying. See, not exposing dark deeds will never help the family. And this is why it's important to see Paul's intentional wording in our text. We don't just live in the light. He says, you are light. It's, it's, it's a non-negotiable. Just by your lifestyle and your fruit, you're going to be exposing darkness around you. We don't just live in the light. 
Just like the moon. The moon's just a massive rock, freezing cold, just cruising around in darkness until it hits the sun. And then that freezing rock becomes light. And that light is what we calibrate our calendars to. The 28-day calendar is calibrated to a freezing cold rock that becomes light when it's exposed to the sun. Like the moon, we become light when we live in the light. The kingdom of God is not simply a light place where people live, right? Just because you come to church doesn't mean you're a part of the family of God, is what Paul is saying. Just being in that environment, living in the light, around the light, that doesn't make you a Christian. It doesn't make you a part of the family. He says the kingdom of God is a light place where people are transformed. The kingdom is made up of people who live in the light and are transformed by the light to live their lives as the light. And unless we are transformed by the light, we'll bring shame and discredit to the family of God. Unless those, unless those living in the darkness are brought into the light, they will bring confusion into the church. Unless the, lost are trying to, unless the lost who are trying to act like the light, unless they're identified and exposed for what they actually are, darkness will spread and remain in the family. And this is why Paul says it's shameful to allow them to remain. It's shameful to even talk about what they're doing in secret. Why? Because darkness spreads like a virus. He's like, don't let it be there. Expose it. Shine your light. What are you doing? You're light, and you're like allowing that darkness to exist? Expose it. See, but Paul shares a second reason that we're to expose darkness and darkened lifestyles in the church. He says that they need to be brought to a spiritual life because they're actually dead. He says this in the final verse, 14. He says, for this reason, it says, awake, sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Paul's quoting an ancient hymn here, uh, and, and he's graphically detailing our true condition apart from Jesus. We are asleep, which is just old imagery for dead. We're dead in darkness, in need of rescue. We're people living apart from the light, and we need to be brought into the light. And how will they know that they're in darkness unless we expose the darkness? And Paul says it's shameful for God's family to live life as light and allow people to pretend to be the light as they suffer and sleep in the grave of a life lived in darkness. People living in the dark need to be saved. The dead need to be supernaturally called to life. The darkened minds need to be brought into the light of life. And how will the world know their dark condition apart from Jesus unless we live as light? Unless there's a light shining in darkness, it seems like the whole world is in darkness. How will the lost and hopeless people of the world find the light of Jesus unless we live as light, unless we're the city on the hill, unless we're the, the lamp without the basket on it? Right? It's absurd to put a, a basket over a lamp. In the first century, a lamp is an open flame. You put a basket over a lamp, or you put a lamp under the bed, like Jesus says in Matthew 5, what happens? You burn the stinking house down, right? He's like, no one does that. Why? No one's an idiot. Why would you do that? And that that's part of what Paul is talking about. We're going to burn the house down unless we shine like lights, and, and, unless we allow the light to expose the dark corners. It affects the whole house. How are broken people who are stuck in darkness ever going to see the evil that has them enslaved 
as they live in the dark, unless we live as light. Jesus said that he is the light of the world. Jesus is the morning star. Jesus declares the dawn of a new kingdom. Listen, we are the kingdom kids of God. The living God lives within us, and we live in him, the living word. God has given us his light to shine. And today, maybe you're a Christian. Maybe you gave your life to Jesus, but, but that light has grown dim, and you feel like, man, that passage, awake sleeper, applies for me. I'm kind of asleep at the switch. You need to hear the Holy Spirit calling you to life today. God is saying, awake, get up, shine as a light. Press into the word. Press into Jesus. Lean into the kingdom family of God. Let your light shine. Or maybe you're in here and you're like, no, I'm that imposter you're talking about. I, mean, I come to church, but I, 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 I'm not, I don't read my Bible. I don't follow Jesus. I, I don't have faith that Jesus is anything more than a good man that I'm hoping is going to help me when I hit hard times. Listen, you need to wake up. Today is the day that God is calling you. He's saying, awake, O sleeper. Let the light that leads to life shine upon you. That is what it means to be the kingdom family of God, to let our light shine. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you, God, for this time where we can gather together and we can focus on Jesus. Thank you, God, for sending such a clear and powerful picture of your love. This morning, we want to call sleepers awake. God, awaken us in our sleepiness. Those who are dead in the darkness, God, call them to light this morning. Those of us who have fallen asleep in our faith, God, call us to arise this morning. We want the light of Jesus to shine upon us. And Father, we pray this morning as Jesus taught us for your kingdom to come here on earth as it is in heaven. And so we worship you now. We fix our eyes. We set our voices upon the object of our salvation and our affections, the object of our life, the light of life. We worship King Jesus as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.